0: Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Hello, Operate Intelligently listeners. This is your host, Joshua Peach, for episode 127, and I apologize for the bit of the hiatus that we've had here. It's been uh, upwards of a month since the last podcast episode was recorded. Couple reasons for that. One was that it was really hard uh, with the reopening of schools and a lot of things that are going on with our typical guests, that uh, they were they were knee deep in the in the work and didn't have the opportunity to come on and and share some stories with us. And uh, it was just been a little bit overwhelming trying to get folks uh, coming on board. And I know nobody wants to listen to me uh, just ramble on by myself. So we took a little bit of a break. Kind of started to retool. We're trying to figure out some. Some next steps. And I had a magnificent uh, email that came about a week and a half ago from our guest today, which I have a feeling she is going to be on for a number of episodes for the foreseeable future because she just has uh, an amazing number of hot topics to talk about and is a true professional uh, in the industry. And I think just in life in general, you think you're going to really like her. So, first and foremost, Mary Beth Armiston, welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm just glad to be here t- chatting with you today.
0: Yes. Is this your first podcast?
1: No, I've done several before. Oh,
0: okay. So we but, we've but got like to... you,
1: but like you, I've kind of been on vacation for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we were we were delayed for a little bit because you had some painting going on and had some Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, so welcome. By the way, the paint looks fantastic. The space oh. looks great. Congratulations. Thanks. Um So just for, and I actually, I think you were on an operate intelligently podcast, were you not before I I was hosting? Okay. So it was a while ago. So just for our new listeners, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where have you been? What do you do? And what are you doing today?
1: Well, I've been, um, I was connected for a number of years with the YMCA, have been a number of years with uh, Dude Solutions, doing a lot of fun stuff. And and now since uh, uh, we've had COVID, I've been working at home. I kind of like to think that I try to keep, uh, to be a connector. So during all of this time and even before, I like to connect with people doing a variety of different things, whether it's risk management or whether it's some product endorsement. You know, Josh, you're just even chit-chatting, finding out what's going on with people. You know, what makes us a tick at this point in time and what's different? So I've been trying to stay as active as I can. But I will tell you, I am getting a little bit tired of Zoom calls. I, I have to admit <laughs> that, you know, they're good for a while. But yep. I really would like to reach out and touch somebody. Uh, I really would like to give somebody a hug because that's who I am. But I've really been working to try to embrace the best I can what's going on. But I got to tell you, some days I do this better than others. And some days I just fail completely and feel like I just want to go back to bed and throw the covers over my head. But sun's out and I'm doing good today. And I I think that every day that uh, I can get up and find something that's viable to do, but if I ever say to you again, I want to paint my house, I want you to commit me. I want you to tell me to stop. I do not want to do this again. But I did it. It's all good. And so now today I'm, I'm back um, interacting with a variety of people. They may be from Do Solutions. They may be from the YMCA. Um, all kinds of venues and trying to support and learn and adapt to perhaps what's going out there. So that's kind of what I've been doing, Josh, how about you?
0: No, I, I, you, you mentioned a couple of times the YMCA and you and I have spoken and I'm, I'm a, a huge uh, advocate for the YMCA, I actually serve on a, a board of governors up here in Massachusetts. You serve on a board of governors, I think you serve on a board of governors in North Carolina uh, and the work that you did with, it was the Redwoods group that you were originally uh, with and how we got connected uh, all right. those years ago. You know, it's interesting, you know, I think that's something I'd like to talk about for a few minutes. Uh, that I think that people probably don't have a, an understanding and a handle on out there right now is how hard the YMCAs have been hit from COVID. And they're really an organization that they're designed to help. You know, when this this whole thing started, I know the ones up here, you know, they were opening up, they were taking donations, they were providing meals, they were providing safe space for people that, that needed a place to take a shower and get ready for work. Um, you know, helping, you know, right now they're helping with parents, that need uh, that have kids with remote learning by providing a space for the kids to go that are supervised uh, where they can't go to school, but you know they re- they require a lot of of financial support from uh, from generous donors and from um, all sorts of different avenues and they're 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 getting hit pretty hard this year and uh, and yet they're still the ones that I talk to have unbelievable optimism and they still get up every day and. They're still working just as hard and it doesn't matter how difficult a time they're having they're, they're still trying to keep that unbelievable optimism and positive mindset for not just for them but for the communities that they support uh is that kind of what you're hearing from a lot of you know you're you're in it with all you talk to all of them i think everybody knows you in the country uh, at the y level
1: i don't know but i'm in i'm in deep um with the Ys, obviously Yes, the Y's financially have been severely handicapped. I was uh, uh, online with a Y today uh, that they're losing $50 million this year. But you know, whether it's $50 million or whether it's 10 million, it's all relative because the product for YMCA's are the people. You know, we can go someplace else and the product might be widgets, but the YMCA, you know, the product um, happens to be people. And they're integral part of the community. So here we are, um, we're locked down. We've been locked down for a while. Uh, Kids, some kids are going to school, other kids aren't. Parents need childcare. Everything is in flux. And the YMCA is working so hard to try to meet not only community needs, providing food, perhaps uh, providing childcare, and not actually knowing day to day what the arena, what the platform is going to look like. Uh, many of the wise, I'm going to give you just an example, Josh, you know, have had to uh, terminate, lay off, furlough, whatever the terms you want to use, probably close to either two-thirds, three-fourths of their staff, however, that uh, fraction oh. works out. And they are trying to operate much smaller, a much smaller footprint, but they're still trying to serve as many people as they can. On top of that, you know, um, they are a cause driven organization, which does mean that um, uh, a substantial amount of money comes through the generous donations of people like us or corporations. Unfortunately, we have a sector out there that uh, might not be working. We have corporations that may only be functioning at a partial fraction of which they are, but then we have others that are doing just fine. So the wives are digging in the trenches. They're trying to provide the service that is most important for our communities. And I, I think more than ever, um, YMCAs are vitally important to our communities. I mean, you can go back to uh, the YMCAs is, is 175 plus years old. Now that goes back a heck of a long time. And we have provided service through World War II, through all kinds of uh, events that we never want to to see again. And the YMCA has survived. So I think that we'll survive again, but we'll look different. But our communities are gonna look different. We're going to look different. But it's um, um, some wise won't make it. That's the unfortunate part. Some just won't be able to do it financially. Uh, we know those that are larger wise will have to shut down perhaps branches and and do things differently and maybe some will uh, uh, will be selling their assets. I was talking to a Y again today that was selling one of their buildings because they have to reduce their um, uh, their expenses. So they're making you know tough decisions and even you know as I tell one important fact, Josh, and you know this too, but. Uh, even though ymcas are cost driven and you know they are a not-for-profit but they're also a business they also have to have income over expense because that's the only way they keep the doors open um, to help our, our uh, community my biggest concern and our conversations have to do with with uh, kids and families mm-hmm. uh, they've been you know as we talked about lockdown they' not only their physical health their emotional health and their social health you know, we, we are social people, kids are social people. And you know, I look at myself, I live with five cats and four walls. Now if that doesn't make you crazy, I don't know <laughs> what else does. And, and so you take a look at a common family like that you have, you have kids, you're in our homes, uh, we're working, some are doing school virtually, some are going to school, some are doing a whole variety. And how is it at the end of the day, we keep our sanity and how is it that we stay, you know, um, how are viable? Maybe that's the word I want to use. How is it that we stay viable and, and able to get up the next day? You know, we call that COVID fatigue and Mm -hmm. that hits a lot of people, a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's the people that you and I get to talk to every day. That's probably getting hit the hardest and showing the least because they have to do all of these things and they have to keep a positive outlook and, and vision, whether it's a facility director in a public K-12 school, an operations professional in a manufacturing facility that, you know, was shut down for two months and is just trying to play catch up. You know, it's, it's interesting that people, you know, trying and understand why things are backordered and so hard to find. Well, you know, a manufacturing facility that closes for a day will, will be backlogged. I I've told a story, I think I've told it on this, podcast, really interesting flight from Madison, Wisconsin, home and a pit stop in Charlotte. And I met a gentleman on the plane from Madison to Charlotte that was going for a job interview in North Carolina for a um, operations position for a manufacturer of lawnmower blades. Uh And so we were talking and I said, well, how many lawnmower blades do you make? You know, how how often does, does one get pressed? And he said, every second of every minute of every hour of every day, there is a lawnmower blade being pressed. So every minute is represents at least 60 lawnmower blades. So when you think about that and you go and extrapolate that to a couple of months that they were probably closed for, they're way behind they're, they're you know, they, they playing catch up for that is very hard. So the stress level of that is going to be hard. Um, and then you talk about the healthcare providers. Um, that have, that have just, you know, they're just the, 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 strain and the stress of everything that goes with that. Um, but, and, but they haven't had a chance to stop and breathe. And, um, that's kind of where you and I talk to these folks. And I always say, I, I, I say to them often, people that I talk to, I'm like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. You just amaze me. I, I did a keynote last week, uh, or two weeks ago for uh, facility operations professionals in Texas and their executive director, Afterwards, said, you know, how do you keep such a positive mindset? And I said, it's it's your members, it's you guys. I mean, the fact that you guys do what you do every day, and you're still putting pants on one leg at a time and going and doing what you're doing, it inspires and motivates me. What I have to do is nothing compared to what you have to do. Uh, but you're absolutely right. This the COVID fatigue is hit. It hits everyone. It's not just the disease. It's the life that we're the lives that we're living, and the fact that. Uh, as you said before we started, which is this whole new normal. There's there's, there's no such thing as a new normal. There's no such, and this, and this better not be the new normal. If we have to go like this forever. I mean, think about our friends in Australia. Um, They they just got done with a 111 day lockdown. Like, I don't want to be in that. I don't, I I don't want that to be a new normal for us. I don't want that to be a possibility or probability. I want, I want us to go back to being able to you know hug family members and not worry about it and and send uh you know invitations for parties and and hug loved ones and all that fun stuff so um that's kind of where I'd like to see us going in the direction for um just a, uh, a a different normal or a I don't even know what the word is I'm just tired of the the, the new normal moniker uh, yeah that I
1: you know, Josh, one of the things that I've had some interesting conversations with, because I think what we're going through uh, is is very similar to a lot of the steps of when you grieve, because we have been grieving. Mm-hmm. We've been grieving for what we've had, mm-hmm. and, um, and when you don't have clear steps as to what the future is going to look like, not that we ever knew really what the future was going to look like, but we had more control. Mm-hmm. We had some control uh, as to what it is we could do in our families, our work, and our environment. and Now, we don't feel like we have control. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that was a really hard emotion for me to get around, because I like to think I'm always in control of everything. And now mm-hmm. I'm in control of absolutely nothing. Right. You know, I told you I had five cats. It is. It's truly like herding cats right now. Yeah, Uh, because life goes every which way. And and we're trying, I hear people, they're trying to get fraying some way. So they have a little bit of boundaries. You know, we all like to have a little bit of discipline, a little bit of brown uh, boundaries, because it makes us feel a little bit better. And so I hear people trying to kind of grasp onto that, whether it's in the work environment, you know, again, what are what are the basic things that we can do? How is it that we can get started? You know, Uh, I I also hear people talking about the hardest thing to do in what in our environment is taking that first step. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and I sit back and I think and I think, wow, is that, you know, and I think, yeah, they're probably right. First of all, trying to figure out, you know, what it is uh, we want to do or function. And then how do you take that first step?
0: Mm-hmm. And fear, well, fear sets in.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and fear sets in when we don't know what's coming, mm-hmm. and it's hard to plan for the unknown. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, and I've had this conversation with a number of people. Is you're you're spot on with you know the frustrations of things that are out of our control, and the things that are out of our control are you know first and foremost, obviously, this virus. Uh, Secondly, which the second is, is it, which is a close second, or in many cases, first for people is the regulations being imposed the government telling you what you can and cannot do, and how you can and cannot do it. Um, And I try to tell people, you know, that's all stuff that's that's being put to you. But if you look at your life. 90 plus percent of your life before COVID was out of your control and you handled it just fine. The difference is, is that someone's telling you that your life is out of control and here's what has to be done to try to get some form of normalcy or control back. And I think that's the part that people struggle with. And the other thing that people struggle with is I don't think people know what to be mad at or what people no, need to, 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 be um, frustrated with. And I, and I give this example countless times. I'm, I'm just, I've, I've, I've pushed back, the only, the only social media I'm really doing is LinkedIn. Uh, I've pushed away from, from Facebook and Instagram for some time and, and Twitter, and uh, I'm gonna get back into to posting and doing things on there, but it was it's so hurtful and harmful for me to see what people are saying and when they're talking about things related to COVID. And what I try to say to people is, I'm not a psychologist, I don't know all the answers, but what I would suspect is the people that are fighting for you to follow the rules and guidelines, the majority of them probably don't have the ability to be at home with their kids or to be at home away from their job without running the risk of losing everything. There, are, there were tens of millions of people that have been unemployed over the course of the last eight months. There are, a lot, there are just as many that are living paycheck to paycheck. And there's millions of parents that want to do the right thing and want to do the absolute best for their children, but they can only do that if their kids are at school every day. And so when they're fighting to tell you, hey, play by the rules, do all the things to, cur- to, to kill the curve or flatten the curve or do something to the curve, try to get this thing manageable so that we can do things. They're not saying it because of fear of the virus as much as they're probably a fear of their life um, outside of that. And, and to, to put all of that into perspective, because I see a lot of people that post things and have parties and do all this stuff. And you know what, if the world closed tomorrow, they could survive at home for a long time without having anything to worry about. But a lot of people can't. And that's the one thing that we have to really make sure that we're pushing, which is compassion for for humans, not just for our, not just out of for our own our own well being, but as a whole. And uh, that's something I've just I've just seen a lot of that causes, causes me COVID fatigue, it caused me, you know, just exhaustion of saying, what do I how do I say this? Or what do I say? And I'm just now starting to To kind of realize it and think I might be a little bit right with my thinking.
1: Yeah, I think you are, Josh, because we get so insular, and when we become insular, we just think about us because Mm -hmm. this this impacts us. But we don't necessarily think about how does it impact my neighbor, my friend, a relative, or whatever. We might give it some thought, but you know, this is all about me, Mm -hmm. and 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 that becomes uh, that's a problem. That's problematic, and Mm -hmm. if we become so insular. That everything is about me. The other point I was going to say to you that you were you were just uh, hinting about is this whole idea of that we react instead of respond. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And that's huge because what we don't like, we re- react. You know, it's immediate because you know we're so tied up in ourselves, we're so insular, and uh, you know if we can find ways to just kind of let that go if we can find ways that, you know, we don't have to be ugly, we don't have to be unkind, those are pretty much conscientious, those are things that we can control, we don't have to be uh, unkind, we don't have to say these terrible things that that I hear out there, um, and that we see and that we read, we can be kind, and Mm -hmm. we can still function in this, uh, you know, fishbowl that we're in—that's the water splashing out because we don't know what's going on. But you know, the other side of this is that it has pulled us out of out of being complacent. Oh, yeah. It has it has absolutely jolted us to the to the core. Though I am very concerned about those that don't have jobs and those that don't have the ability to maneuver through this unknown. And that's where I think not only the wise, but you and me and others can step to the forefront and be able to to assist um, what's going on. And so I, you know, as as I talk to people and and lot and I'm not the only one that thinks that. Uh, but perhaps if we could just step out that front door a little bit more, and I use that metaphorically. Um, if we can just step out of ourselves and really think about what can I give somebody else um, that might be helpful to help us with this COVID fatigue, which is not about the disease. It's it's about emotions. It's about what our heads are doing. It's about how we function on a daily basis.
0: Well, it's political fatigue, and this is being recorded on election day. So, hopefully, a little bit of that kindness is going to come uh, come back once this is all said and done. One can hope. Um, you know, hit a couple of things, and one thing I want to go back to um, when we were talking about the why, and this is something that I think is really exciting, and it ties with com- your complacency comment. The last eight months, and and some, and not not just it's not just a unique case, and in, in many cases, and the people that I talk to and work with, uh, I see that they're taking the challenges as opportunities and that those are opportunities that otherwise they would have had complacency. And one of the things that I'm really excited to see is, you know, for instance, for the Y, when you talk about, it's a cause driven um, organization, you know, forever, you know, they typically had one or two, maybe three fundraisers that raised a whole bunch of money. And what our Y that I'm you know, the why that I'm the board of governors for, we, we all the board of governors were asked to uh, commit to doing a spin-a-thon. We were going we to do a spin-a-thon in a brewery. And uh, I, I said that I would put the name of every person on the back of my shirt. So when I had a heart attack on the bicycle uh, while drinking a beer, that, that, that the uh, hospital would know all the people that had me do this dumb idea. And um, we were actually supposed to pedal on March 14th. We were supposed yes. to have the spin-a-thon on march 14th and we raised a whole bunch of money um uh we we, we did a great job and then Y did a great job and we had to cancel it and, and it was nice because the people didn't ask for their money back they understood and they appreciate this was early on this was before all the stuff but what happened in the following eight months was some real creative ideas to do a virtual trivia night and do a a, a virtual gala that we're having this friday night hosted by a, a local radio host with you know it's a free admission uh, with celebrities and everything else on a, on a Zoom call, which we all hate, but, but live auctions and fun stuff. Um, this is giving an opportunity for us to uh, cast a wider net to, to, to reach out and talk to people. You know, I've talked to so many associations and organizations that say, you know, we had this virtual event and we would have never had half of these people because they couldn't afford to travel to this or they couldn't travel. And they're providing that professional development. And in the landscape of professional development, I don't see hybrid or half virtual uh, events going away anytime soon. And I've seen from facilities, some of the facilities guests and some of the things, it's not just our software, they're leveraging Skype and they're leveraging uh, Zoom and all of these other new, these new tools for signing contracts and doing inspections and um, being able to remotely work uh, and and, and implementing different technologies to help them with social distancing. And just a ton of different things that We wouldn't have seen if 2020 was like 2019, because you're absolutely right. I think there was definitely across the board a certain level of complacency uh, with all of us. And uh, um, I think you're probably seeing the same thing.
1: Oh, you're absolutely. Just think about us going into Dude Solutions. You know, we have learned to work from home. We don't necessarily have to work from a separate location where we drive. I was just kind of playing around the other day, and I was thinking about not only the time that I've saved by not being on the road, doing a variety of different projects and work, but also the the gas I've saved. And so I said to myself, are you less effective? No, I don't think so. In some cases, I think I'm more effective because I've put more time back into my day to do a variety of different things. And I've learned how to do some things differently. You know, my biggest challenge, one of my, is technology. I always laugh at that. You know, I've learned to turn the computer on and off. So here I am doing a podcast with you, Mm -hmm. um, having to use new technology and heaven help me. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. will be bring some new platform that I'm going to have to learn Now, I never would have stepped out to do some of that. So I think the creativity and the ability for all of us to be individual entrepreneurs is a real plus. You know, we have the opportunity to do things we never thought of or never thought we could do. And I really think that that's exciting. Um, But, you know, that's my personality. I like change to a certain Mm -hmm. degree. And I like challenges. And so now I can, you know, it's, it's really great. I can do all my work and take a break and put my laundry in the dryer, for instance, mm-hmm. you know and I still have my office and I'm still getting stuff done. But you know that the way we worked or the way we lived before is affording us new opportunities if we wanna take them to do things differently that may be very positive. Not everything is negative of what we're going through. You know, take away the virus and and the sickness. There are some things that will be positive. And as you said, uh, we won't go back to. Unfortunately, I think we're gonna have a lot of office space that's open. Well, we'll figure out how to deal with that, I'm sure. There's, you know, smarter people out there than me that will figure out how that space can be used or not. Uh, But we're still going to be profitable and be able to function in these new environments that are allowing us to have flexibility of how we function in a day. See, that's what I think, you know, having to go to a building day after day after day isn't really flexible, is it?
0: No, no. Uh,
1: So now we have some creativity, perhaps for those that function better that way and for some of us that function, you know, in between. I think that's great. I think that's all good.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's helping us, uh, you know, the, I think that the, you know, it's funny we talk about work environments and, you know, in our workspace, in our office, you know, we were, you know, uh, a large space uh, with with a lot of employees. And, you know, I think that there was, I think this is across the board. I think somewhere in, in and I'm not that smart, but somewhere in business, someone said you have to have workspaces where everybody gets together and work because, uh, gosh darn it, that's what they have to do. And we and someone forgot that we're adults, that's and right. and we have to be responsible and we have to be held accountable and we have to have responsibility in life. And and I think that there are many people that don't have the capability because of their where they live, whether it's a you know small space with with you know many people or some other reason that do need an office, but I think the majority of us do a pretty good job of, of working remotely and accomplishing uh, great, great amounts of work. So, um, you know, repurposing office space for condos or apartments or or shared up, up here, there there's a ton of shared office spaces where you are paying a, a fractional ownership basically of a space and you schedule that space so that you have you know, an office when you need it, or when you need to have a virtual, you know, a zoom meeting in a conference room or what have you. Uh, but there are, there's going to be a lot of new, there's going to be a lot of new ideas and new opportunity that otherwise we would have just continued to build office buildings. And yeah. I, th- I think we're doing too much building anyway. I, you know, when you talk about, you know, the gas that you saved, you know, I've pondered the most ridiculous thoughts through, um, through this COVID because I, I went through life and I never, really paid attention to the things that I did, the things that I bought or the impact that it had. And where I traveled 150 days a year and I was looking at our one of our cars is almost 100,000 miles and it's, you know, I think 15.9 miles average per gallon. I said, well, how many gallons of gas did I go through to get to 100,000? It's like, oh my God, I went through 6,000 gallons of gasoline in this one car that I used. And then I said, well, uh, when I was traveling, I would have a couple cups of coffee and a, and a couple of bottles of water at the airport or wherever. And now I haven't—I've gotten a cup of coffee at a coffee shop. Uh, and if I had, I actually used my Yeti coffee mug and asked them to fill it. So all of the paper and styrofoam you save, and I'm—I'm and not—I've never been, you know, one that um, that that paid a lot of attention to that stuff. But that's an impact that we talk about with with regard to our consumption and what we do, and it's just all of these new trains of thought and ideas of thinking of things we didn't really pay attention to are really, it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. Like if you can find one factoid of your life of something you did pre-COVID that you're improving yourself upon post-COVID. So like I say, the, 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 uh, the, the, in, the improved carbon footprint of my uh, not wasting and, and using, uh, you know, Yeti bottles and all that stuff. Uh, it's, you know, pretty interesting stuff that I never... Never considered before. So um, there's a lot of positive that can come out of of, uh, all of that we've dealt with the last eight months.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. You know, um, I won't rave about my cooking, and friends that tell me, even if I talk about cooking, they kind of, it's tongue in cheek. But, you know, never before have I gone through the grocery store and actually looked at labels Mm -hmm. and to pay attention to not only what I'm fixing, but what I'm eating. Because not that I ate, ate out a lot or eat out a lot now, but for lunch, you know, typically uh, go out and, and pick something up. Uh, but now everything has to be here in my kitchen. Now that's you know that in itself just sometimes gives me heart palpitations, but that that's okay. But it is but it's forced me to do something that I haven't been comfortable doing or haven't wanted to do. Right? And, you know, and that's a whole new concept of hey, I got to do some things I didn't always want to do, um, but now have to figure out how I can do them uh, because that's just the way my life is going to be. And that was kind of a rude awakening, Josh. That was, you know, uh, I've worked all my life. Uh, uh, being domestic is just not in my DNA. <laughs> it just isn't in my DNA. So yep. here I am sitting at home and and I'm thinking, Oh my God, I could, I I can't write my name in dust. I'm going to have to do something here. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It's, 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 it's wild. And uh, like you say, I've been, I've been home and look at my, everybody uh, gives me a hard time about my beard. The last time I shaved was March 11th. Um, you know, I have, I, this is the longest I've been home. I've actually been home this year more consistently than uh, the total number of days of previous one and a half years, you know? And it's like, wow. Um you know, in one year, uh, it, it, the difference is just amazing. And the things that I've missed out here and the things that I get to do and the projects and figuring out how to become more, um, domesticated myself. Cause when you spend, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot, lot, a lot, lot, that goes on that I missed out on. Um, I gotta tell you, this has been, this has been great. I, am um, I, I really, like I say, you've got so much, uh, as far as, uh, you know, I look at this, it's like the first step is the hardest, why change management can be challenging. Who's on first pushing the reset button. You've got uh, a whole bunch of, of incredible talk topics. um, um, That, that I want to have a couple more episodes with you. If you're good with that, Uh, I think it'll, it'll free up. um, It'll free up uh, putting pressure on, on our guests that are out doing tireless work with their staff and their teams, getting things done, especially probably going into what's looking like some form of a second wave in different parts of the country. We're getting ready for a a next stage lockdown up here in Boston, effective Friday uh, with some new regulations and rules and uh, other parts of the country are having some challenges. So I think we'll make this like a weekly thing for the next three or four weeks. I think you and I just come on here and have a, a talk session on on uh, business, life or whatever strikes our fancy and see how
1: it goes. I think that sounds like a great idea. I'll enjoy that.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, listen, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, talk to you, touch base with you, share a story with you, how do they do that? How do they how do they get a hold of you?
1: Uh my email address is probably the best, and that's mbormiston at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, you know, drop me a note. Uh and I'd be more than glad to catch up and chitty chat with you and and hopefully learn uh, some new things from people that would reach out. So please, you know, reach out to me.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm glad you reached out to me and offered to... Uh... To come on, if if uh, if interested, you you definitely were uh, music to my ears when I when I got that email and we got to chat and look forward to a couple more episodes and uh, and that will do it for episode 127. For those of you out there that are feeling a little bit of what Mary Beth and I talked about, we sometimes feel or uh, our clients are sometimes feeling. Realize you're not alone, and uh, the first thing I'll tell you is take a breath, uh, try to take a breath and, and just just get just get get back uh, a little bit center. And um, realize that this, this thing's uh, life's all out of our control. Whole thing. It's just that people are telling us um, that makes it that much more frustrating, but, but take a breath, be patient. And as, as Mary Beth pointed out so perfectly, uh, be kind. That's the most important thing. If we can be kind through all of this, we can be kind through anything and um, just stay safe out there to all our listeners that are in the trenches every day. We appreciate you. Uh, We're beside you and uh, look forward to talking to you real soon with my, my guest for the future, Mary Beth. So take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing dspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.